Live from the Washington, D.C. area, it's the Inside Scoop Emerald Planet. All the ecology news that our viewers want to know. Now, here's your host, Executive Director of the Emerald Planet, Dr. Sam Lee Hancock. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Planet as we come to you from Washington, D.C. and the United States as we look around the globe in 144 different nations looking for the thousand best practices, technologies, services, and products that are making a difference as we move through the 21st century. And as we move towards 2050 and a planet with nine billion people, in other words, adding two billion in that time period, how are we gonna be able to provide the food, the fuel, the fiber, all the basic infrastructure that's needed so that people actually have an increased quality of life and not just exist. And we have uh, someone that's coming all the way from India, and this is Anjali uh, Makeja. She is the director of Strengthening Village uh, Institutions, and she's from the Sagal Foundation, and sitting right beside me is uh, Hurt Van Brandt. He's the Washington, D.C. representative for the Sagal Foundation. And uh, Seja, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. She's coming in by Skype, and uh, her sitting right beside me is going to be the backup in case uh, we need him. Anyway, tell us a little bit about your foundation and uh, the purpose and the mission as far as the uh, Sagal Foundation is concerned. Yes. Uh, so Sagal Foundation is a development organization. We work in rural areas and it was started by Dr. Surindra Mohan Sagar, a leading agricultural scientist and his wife, Edda Sagar. And we work on three thematic uh, areas, uh, addressing food security, water security, and social justice. And uh, aligned to these three, uh, we have three programs, uh, water management, agricultural development, and good rural governance. And women empowerment and community media are cross-cutting themes across all our programs. And the mission is really to uh, have a community-led development where the community takes ownership and takes the lead in all the programs. Well, I think you provided for us a uh, special video. I want to see if that's uh, ready to play. We're having a technical uh, difficulty. Tell us a little about your life skills education program for the uh, Sagal Foundation. So Life Skills Education Program uh, basically provides a platform for participation of adolescents and youth in the governance and in the good uh, rural governance and also in the village development. And it is aligned to the National Skills Development Policy uh, of Government of India. And the objective is to have outreach activities on skill training for the uh, population which is disadvantaged, which is not having access to any opportunities. Sunday, step back over there. Uh, Sunday, get what, over what there. What are the um, uh, issues, major issues that the uh, youth uh, face in rural India, Anjali? Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, repeat the question. Yes, uh, Anjali, uh, what are the major issues that um, uh, rural adolescents and youth face in India? 
so uh, in India, you know, uh, more than 50% of the population is uh, consisting of youth. And uh, they do not have any direction on any constructive uh, direction in life. And um, also in India, most of the workforce is, has never had any kind of formal skill training. So there is this skill training deficit in India and the youth are just idle and they need to be trained. And adolescence, as you know, is a very sensitive age. It is an age of transition and an age which uh, is full of confusions, you know. So they need a mentor, adolescents need a mentor, they need a direction, so they are grappling with so many uh, life issues. So these are the two major challenges and uh, the challenge uh, gets aggravated more for girls because India being a patriarchal society, uh, they are uh, really the neglected sections of society. Now looking at the the various uh, skills training that you're doing, what are some of the core areas of the curriculum that you have for these uh, youth, but also you have a fairly extensive educational program for the adults as well? Yes, yes. So we, uh, at the moment, we are having ski, three skill training programs. One is for stitching, that is exclusively for girls. Then we have digital literacy program, that is for boys and girls. And the third is um, training on paramedics. Uh, paramedics in terms of um, training the youth on x-ray technicians, <coughs> on becoming ultrasound technicians and lab technicians. So these are the three uh, thematic areas in, in life skills education program. And along with skill training, we also provide information on various government services and various government programs. Uh, the flagship programs of the government. And we also provide literacy classes to girls who are illiterate, who have never been to school, and also information on health and hygiene. So all these four um, thematic basic literacy, skill training, training on governance, and um, on government schemes, uh, these are the major, major areas which we cover in life skills education. Now looking at the uh, image that we have here, I would assume this is the uh, teacher uh, sharing information uh, with the students. What is some of the training methodology that you use? Is it where you have teachers in each of these uh, various centers where people uh, take the life skills educational uh, program or are you using multimedia? What kinds of training materials are you using? So this is a skill training program on digital literacy. And uh, in all the centers, we have a trainer, a teacher. We call her or him as a facilitator because he or she really facilitates the learning process in the center. And uh, we have these teachers. And all the curriculum is very participatory and very experiential. You know, because especially the adolescents, they need a mode of self-expression. You know, so they have no space for expressing themselves. So when they come to the center, they find a safe environment where they can express themselves. So the facilitator encourages the uh, youth and the adolescents to speak out and to learn from their own experience. It's a participatory and experiential uh, learning program. 
Now, what do, how long do they actually stay in these uh, different courses or uh, within the curricula itself? And what is the difference uh, between the length of time they'll be studying uh, by the course or by the discipline that they're actually taking through these uh, life skills education centers? So it really depends, for example, the stitching uh, classes, the stitching courses typically for four months, then uh, digital literacy is for five months, but training on paramedical is for a longer duration. It is for about one year to 18 months. More so because that requires a lot of practical training. And the youth are also given internship in a hospital or any other lab setup. So that hands-on training uh, time is required and hence the training period in that particular trade is longer. And uh, when you're setting this up, uh, what's, how do you determine or is it something by experience? You're actually uh, trying some of these courses that are identified and needed by the people in the villages and then you determine the appropriate length and also the content for each of the courses? Yes, so we do a needs assessment in the, mm. uh, the of any activity which we are uh, trying to uh, set up. And we had this vision to involve the youth and adolescents in a governance project. So uh, basically we wanted to create a platform through which the youth and adolescents can participate in the governance project. So when we started this program, we then went and did a needs assessment and wanted to understand what are they interested in. And computers is something which all boys and girls uh, want to learn. Then the youth, they are interested in uh, you know, employable skills. So that is why we started um, the paramedical course. And stitching is something which is popular among all girls. Every girl in the village wants to learn stitching. So it's basically the needs assessment and through them the uh, skills have been identified. In future, we would like to diversify into more skills also. And the curriculum, again, depends upon uh, what they want to learn, for example, in stitching, what all they would like to learn, we ask them. Uh, we have also had partnerships in, with other organizations who have uh, uh, delivered these kind of trainings. So the curriculum is also developed uh, after seeking their inputs. Uh, for example, in digital literacy, we have partnered with another organization and they have given us um, inputs on how to design the curriculum. Even in paramedics, we have um, had a partnership with another organization who is equipped and who has an expertise to train uh, the youth on paramedics. Uh, Hurt uh, has a uh, question and we have to be very quick because we've almost run out of time. Yeah, Hurt? What, what challenges have you faced to set up these life skill education uh, programs? So one of the major challenges to get these programs accredited and certified by institutions which are approved by Government of India. So that is a challenge. And when these youth and adolescents, they come to us, they try to learn only the skills. So training them on soft skills is another challenge and we address it through a lot of participatory programs and experiential programs. 
Well, it's uh, really exciting. Uh, we have a photograph here of uh, people receiving their certificates and diplomas, so I'm sure people are very proud of these. Uh, and uh, what do you see for the growth and development as far as your life skills education, say over the next five, 10 or 15 years? And we only have about 20 seconds to do all that. Yes, one is of course we want to enroll more and more boys and girls in this program. We want to diversify skills. We want partnerships both from funding organizations with academics and other organizations. And uh, we want to scale up and diversify into more skills based on the demands and the interest of the girls and girls. Uh, I tell you, I think it's absolutely fantastic uh, what you're doing. This is Anjali Makija, and she is the Director for Strengthening Village Level Institutions. That's a very long title you have with the uh, Segal Foundation. And sitting right beside me is Hurt Van Brandt. He's uh, from Washington, D.C. representative for the Segal Foundation as we create the Emerald Planet. wash your car at home. When I wash my car, everything runs down the street and down into the storm drains. With all the chemicals and the soaps and waxes, the last thing I want to do is poison my own drinking water. At least here, it's all contained and recycled on site. That's why I also take my car in for oil changes instead of doing it myself. I might take a chance on spilling stuff. You know what the best part is? What? More time to kick back and watch the game. How far would you go? to protect the planet. I want you to build an ark. Here we go. Okay, that's good. Oh, okay. Ow. Oh, oh, oh. Maybe there's another way. People, the flood is imminent. Is it too much to ask for a little precipitation? Go to fightglobalwarming.com to find out what you and your community can do to reduce global warming pollution. Somewhere around the world, there are men and women of the armed forces risking their lives, helping rebuild communities after natural disasters, collecting toys for needy children, tutoring kids in school. These are your sons and daughters who work to keep us safe, secure, and free. Dedicated men and women who put their country first. the Inside Scoop Emerald Planet. Here again, your host, Dr. Sam. Hello, welcome to the Emerald Planet as we come to you looking around the globe for those thousand best practices, the best is the best as we call it, for the technologies, uh, skills, products, and services, and of course the people that are making all this happen. And as we look around the globe and we go to a planet of 9 billion people by 2050, possibly 12 to 13 billion by the end of the century, how are we going to be able to increase 
the standard and quality of life instead of just having people that are existing. And we have two people that are very actively working in all of these different areas in the nation of India in the northern area. Uh, this is Bakika Goswami and uh, Jila Makela. And Dabika uh, uh, is the program leader for governance and policy advocacy. And Angela is the director for strengthening village level institutions with the Segal Foundation. And welcome, ladies, to the Emerald Planet TV. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, Debika, first start off, uh, you're with a very famous uh, internationally renowned foundation doing good work in the nation of India. But tell us a little bit about your role as far as program leader for governance and policy advocacy. Uh, from the point of view of the organization, my role is to promote improved local governance in rural India by enhancing accountability and transparency mechanisms so that uh, government programs which are designed for the well-being of the rural poor can perform better. And from the perspective of the rural communities which we serve, my role is to empower them with information on their legal and constitutional rights and uh, entitlements as well as the accountability mechanisms so that they can participate effectively in the decision-making processes. That's a lot to be doing. Yeah. That's a big responsibility. And uh, focus a little bit our, for our audiences, both here and around the globe, that you really are looking at rural communities more than urban ones. Uh, why yeah. focusing on rural communities? Uh, especially if we consider women empowerment, uh, in rural India, gender bias is still very deeply entrenched. Women face a lot of discrimination at various levels. They do not have equal access to opportunities of education and career building. Uh, this actually prevents them from participating effectively in decision-making processes, as I mentioned earlier. So I think uh, initiatives to empower women in rural India is of utmost importance. Uh, looking at uh, what you're doing on women empowerment, I know this is something that you're actually providing the, uh, the coursework and the on-site training in the communities with women on this topic. And so what, why is it so important to actually offer this as seminars and as training programs uh, to the women in the communities? Uh, as I said, because women lack uh, the, the opportunity to get trained, to get educated properly, uh, uh, and there is a lack of awareness also on their part. So it's very important that we bring females to the front. And uh, that's how it's very important that we discuss their issues in forums like seminars and uh, practical studies more and more so that uh, a general awareness is created and their needs uh, of being empowered is focused. Uh, you want to go ahead and ask the next question? Yeah, um, uh, Devika, what uh, are the primary challenge that you face in women empowerment in the areas where you work? Yeah, uh, as to the challenges, I think uh, the age-old customs and the social restrictions prevalent in India uh, actually uh, prevent the women from participating both inside their family and in, in the society at large so far as decision making is concerned. Additionally, uh, as I mentioned, lack of education, training, all these contribute to creation of very low levels of awareness. 
and uh, very low levels of self-confidence. Uh, together, uh, these form some of the major challenges of women empowerment. If women can overcome this, I think uh, they would be really good players, not only inside the family, but also outside their households in the society. And, and so how do you overcome these ancient traditions and restrictions? Uh, so, uh, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, they should be given uh, equal opportunity to education. Uh, this should then be supported uh, by uh, proactive support from the family and from the society at large. At the moment, that is uh, really lacking in rural India. And uh, additionally, I think exposure and uh, training uh, through capacity building programs, specifically designed by government and non-government organizations, is of real importance uh, in women empowerment. And Jali, looking at the foundation itself, I know this is something that you've, uh, you mentioned earlier that's really some of your claim to fame as far as the Sago Foundation is concerned. But looking at the empowerment of women as community leaders, why is it so important that they be involved in not only just civil society development, but also for economic and environmental development within the communities? Yes, so it is very, very important because uh, you see, women are elected representatives uh, also. They are members of village councils, they are members of uh, school management committees. So otherwise the development will be very skewed. So that is why it is very important for development to be holistic that they participate in the overall uh, development issues. So one is to build their decision-making ability and second is to seek their participation. Both are very important. Now, looking at the, uh, this uh, slide that we have here, uh, this is about the participation by females and males. Uh, and are the numbers of females increasing as far as their participation in the uh, community meetings, or, uh, or is it staying about the same? So yeah, they are increasing. In fact, we have a program, as Devika said, for capacity building of both citizens as well as participation of women in village level institutions. And in all our programs, at least 50% of women are insured in all our programs, and sometimes even more. And it is gradually increasing by day. Now, as far as the, uh, Dabika, as far as the women leaders are taking action against, this is something you shared with us about this ineffective service delivery. Tell us a little bit about some of these uh, services deliveries, what that really means, and how is their approach uh, unique, uh, different, or very effective? Yeah, uh, actually through our experiences of working with the women at grassroots level, we have seen that uh, aware and uh, conscious and informed women can be actually active drivers of their own development. And this has been proved by the enormous innumerable case studies that we have come across. So uh, for example, in a village in the state of Haryana in India, a group of women trainees of Segal Foundation joined hands with the elected village head to actually improve the situation of uh, sanitation in their village and to stop open defecation, improve waste management systems. Today in their village, uh, they have attained 
a kind of environmental sustainability due to these improved practices. Again, uh, just in the picture uh, which you showed, uh, there's this lady called Sushila who is a trainee of Segal Foundation in the state of Bihar. She has created a kitchen garden in her backyard by using variety of vegetable seeds. Uh, this has actually reduced her dependence on market products and at the same time it has been a very environment friendly practice. So today Sushila is an inspiration to her fellow village women. Again, uh, referring to another example which I can remember, uh, there are uh, um, a group of women uh, leaders from below poverty level families in a village in Haryana where they are actually being supported by the elected head, village head and the district administration fought against a group of influential and corrupt sub-district committee members and they win back their government allotted housing plots which were illegally occupied by these sub-district sub members. So, so uh, there are many case studies like this and all these basically uh, try to point out that community uh, led uh, co collective action and informed choices can really make women exemplars in Indian society. Well, it looks like uh, the work that you're doing uh, with the educational programs, the uh, women empowerment, uh, but actually getting them involved, just like in this photograph uh, that you shared with us, that uh, this is really uh, sweeping throughout the state uh, where you're located, but probably is happening across India. Tell us a little bit about the ripple effect, if you will, uh, Dabika, about this ripple effect of what happens in a village and it moves to a different village and then it starts to spread across society. Uh, actually, you know, we have seen if uh, one particular uh, lady uh, is gaining information through whatever channels, it can be training or it can be other communication medium, uh, then she has uh, the capacity to spread the information to other fellow villages in her society. And once one village, uh, women from one village can achieve the desired result, they can actually uh, be a model to other fellow villages, women from other villages and then there's this peer feeling that if I can do, if she can do, then why can't we? So uh, thus it has actually created an effect not only in one or two villages but it has created impact in uh, I think 400 plus villages in Haryana and a few other villages in Bihar where our organization is working. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. Huh? You have another question. Yeah, Anjali, uh, how does this women empowerment uh, effort affect the young girls and the uh, young women in the villages? And maybe yeah, even the young boys and men, seeing how things are changing. So you see, uh, there is a paucity of women role models in the village. There are hardly any women role models. And um, as uh, Devika said, uh, we work with the citizens and we also have formed women collectives in the villages. So uh, our life skills education program, which consists of adolescent girls, they are supervised by the women collectives. So women collectives, when they come together, they get a lot of strength from each other and they are able to address issues and uh, resolve issues. So uh, they really inspire a lot of young girls and boys to uh, you know, really emulate them and uh, to participate in decision making and uh, when these role models they come alive in the village and they get things done, um, you know, the younger lot gets very positively influenced by them. 
Well, looking at uh, the expansion as far as uh, women's empowerment, we have about uh, 15 seconds, so we have to be quick, Anjali. And uh, what do you see for the expansion of these offerings, say, over the next 5, 10, and 15 years? So we want these initiatives to really scale up, not only in the district, but in other states and all over India. And we want it to become a movement of uh, citizens and collectives, both of them coming together. And would also like to seek partnerships, both funding partnerships, as well as academicians, so that we can scale up our initiatives. As we look around the globe to create the Emerald Planet. Saving for retirement might be easy for some folks, but for others, it might take a little more work. And for those who haven't started, there are still things you can do to catch up. Oh, that is good news. Like getting out from underneath past debt. And don't get wrapped up with high-interest credit cards. Let's get you some eyes. Be diversified with your investments. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Your financial goals are not out of reach. The choice is clear. For a happy ending, choose to save. Everyone with alcohol and drug addiction is in the same boat. With treatment, you can find solid ground. For drug and alcohol information and treatment referral for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. sure you want this tattoo because just do it some mistakes in life are permanent like hearing loss to learn how to protect your hearing visit asha.org you've probably heard about heart disease but did you know that it's the number one killer of women nationwide Heart disease claims more lives each year than breast cancer, lung cancer, or strokes combined. But there are steps you can take to protect yourself against it. For more information on how you can prevent heart disease, contact your local American Heart Association or visit their website at www.americanheart.org. to the Inside Scoop Emerald Planet. Here again, your host, Dr. Sam. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Planet as we come to you on a week-to-week -week basis as we're looking around the globe in 144 different nations. And we're looking for the people that are making a difference as we move through the 21st century. People that are working in local levels and are trying to figure out the best ways forward as far as dealing with the issues, sanitation, education, health care, agricultural production, all the things that are needed to make villages and 
local communities work, allow people to stay in their home areas and not have to migrate into the ever-expanding megacities that are happening around the globe, and at the same time to reduce the impact on the environment. And we have a gentleman who's involved in all this with a, a very serious organization called the Sagal Foundation in India, and this is Vikas Jha. He is the Director of Governance and Policy Advocacy. And sitting right beside me is our friend who's been with us before. This is Hurt Van Brandt. He is the Washington, D.C. representative for the Sagal Foundation. And Vikas, you're coming in by Skype, and welcome to the Emerald Planet TV. Thanks, pleasure to be with Emerald Planet TV. Uh, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, anyway, uh, you have a very impressive title, uh, Governance and Policy Advocacy. And I know that you're with the Sagal uh, Foundation. We can see that right over your shoulder. And uh, that's a very large and important organization. But tell us about your work and how this fits into the overall mission and the objectives of the Sagal Foundation. Uh, the goal of governance and policy advocacy is to promote good rural governance across India. And by good rural governance, we mean that citizens have the opportunity to participate in the management of the villages. Citizens have access to social welfare programs or public services. And village councils have the capacity and the awareness to deliver the goods to the citizens. So uh, that we work within this larger framework of uh, good rural governance. In India, about 850 million people live in rural areas. That is about 68% of people. And they don't have access to basic services, uh, they have poor infrastructure, and they don't have access to government programs. And that's how our programs become important in context of rural India. We try to empower community leaders and village councils so that they can claim rights for the citizens, as well as get better services for the people in the villages. Now this is something that you provided for us, and I think this is uh, very well done. This training of community leaders, and the other one is strengthening village-level institutions. Tell us a little bit about the difference uh, between these two, and why are these twin pillars, if you will, in working in rural communities in India? Uh, the training community leaders is a platform where we train 25 to 30 community leaders in the village and they are trained on basic provisions of social welfare programs, uh, the services and rights they have so that they can access those rights, they can file complaints to government departments and get those rights. Strengthening village level institutions is building capacity of village level institutions like village councils which do not have uh, which have remained weak uh, throughout uh, through a number of years. And they don't have capacity, they don't have awareness, they don't know their roles and responsibilities. They cannot plan village development. Uh, and we train them to plan village development, get funds from the government. That is also a big uh, deal to getting funds from the government so that a good service and good infrastructure can be created for citizens in the villages. Uh, and in fact, both these uh, initiatives are complementary to each other. Uh, community leaders support village councils to function well, and village councils need support of community leaders to get funds from the district departments. 
So looking at the, the SEGAL uh, Foundation, then you're really uh, working in a collaborative effort with other NGOs, non-governmental organizations, but also all levels of government. So how many different levels of government uh, is there in India that would actually be focused on these rural communities that you're actively working with? First level of governance in India would be uh, district level government, district administration. Uh, second would be uh, provincial administration, and third would be central administration. We interact largely with district administration and provincial administration. And a lot of issues of uh, citizens and village councils are taken by us and the community leaders to the district administration. And when they are not resolved at district level, we take it up to state administration and provincial administration. But policy level issues obviously are dealt with provincial administration and central administration. So we advocate a citizen-led policy advocacy so that the issues of citizens are taken up by citizens themselves and they are trained in the process to take this uh, policy uh, issue uh, forward in every way at provincial level and central level. Okay, you ready? Yeah, uh, Vikas, how do you actually train these people? What are the methods that you use? Uh, we have an initiative called a Village Leadership School uh, in the 440 villages uh, of India. And this is, a, this is a platform where 25 to 30 community leaders come and get trained on various provisions of law, on basic services which should be provided to them so that they can complain to higher authorities if the services are not, uh, not provided adequately. And it looks like, too, uh, this uh, taking training to action, as you've uh, labeled this, is that uh, meeting with government officials and then uh, actually uh, talking about the challenges they have in the local communities and then the, uh, the applications to have resolution to that. Is this something that's actually uh, coming right out of the training programs that uh, Segal Foundation provides? Yeah, uh, it takes some time to convince the community leaders that uh, such actions can get you results. But uh, once they are in our training programs for four, six, four to five months, they are convinced that uh, they are convinced of the opportunities which exist in the institutional mechanism of government uh, to solve their problems. So there are various ways of uh, solving their problems. First, obviously, is to get in touch with government departments, uh, and they should have the confidence to get in touch with government departments. That's what we do through our leadership training programs. Second is to file a written complaint. Uh, rural India is still very resi resistant to file uh, written complaints, um, but the, as you can see from the graphics, uh, as a result of our training, the number of complaints filed have increased several fold. Uh, an application under Freedom of Information Act is another institution mechanism which is available, which is used by citizens. And all these uh, mechanisms come out of training programs uh, provided by Saigal Foundation. Otherwise, uh, villages generally don't know what to do uh, if something goes wrong in the villages. Yeah, looking at these, you've uh, provided some really excellent uh, photographs here. You have Ansar, this uh, champion uh, for change. Uh, but here you're showing actually the training program going on. Tell us a little bit about the responses that you get from the people in these local communities when you set up because these look like they're very well attended and people are very attentive 
uh, to what's going on uh, within uh, each of these training programs. Community leaders are uh, very positive about the training programs uh, provided by Cycle Foundation uh, because they didn't have the information about government programs earlier. Uh, and uh, it is well attended pilot program, and uh, they, they uh, in the training programs they get all the information. As a result, the number of issues in village level have been solved. Uh, so, and the community is quite supportive of the community leaders also. The lead, uh, rural communities, people who couldn't come to the training programs, also be, stand behind community leaders whenever they go and complain to the district officials, whenever community leaders question service providers, uh, the rural communities stand behind them. So uh, the response of rural communities have been pretty positive uh, towards change in the villages of India. Yeah, it did. Uh, just amazing to see the activity and the number of people that are involved. Uh, looking at the, the government at the local level, this uh, district administration and the district administrators, how active are they as far as interacting with you, your Segal Foundation, other NGOs, but also in working with the members of the local communities to solve the issues, but also to strengthen the institutions within these various communities? District officials are quite supportive of the efforts of Segal Foundation. Uh, and we regularly, uh, regularly organize uh, programs in the villages for the district administration officials and they, they are quite happy to come to the program and listen to the grievances of the villages and try to solve the problems of the villages. Sometimes lower level officials uh, consider community leaders as a bottleneck uh, because uh, they send large number of people to the government offices to file complaints. But overall top officials of the district administration and provincial administration are quite supportive of our efforts. Yeah, because uh, a question on my mind is what is going to be the long-term impact of that? And, and when, uh, when do you think it will be the time when these villages won't need the Segal Foundation to keep standing behind them and, and, and make them take the initiative? Uh, we have already started seeing some of the impacts of our training programs, which we have been conducting for the last four or five years now. Uh, community leaders in their locations, in their villages, are willing to take responsibility. They are willing to take responsibility of monitoring the government programs. Village council members uh, now have the capacity in some of the villages to plan village development, to get to district administration and get funds for it. So a group of community leaders and village councils have been created in large number of villages who can sustain these activities and take it forward. Uh, we also uh, we are we have also seen number of community leaders pilot piloting. Uh, uh, model practices by adopting solar water pumps, uh, by by adopting practices like balanced use of fertilizers. So they serve as a role model for other villages who try to adopt these practices in their own fields. So overall, uh, and the long-term impact has been pretty positive. A culture of accountability has been created in the villages, and people are now ready to adopt some new innovative solar-based technologies as well as. New farm practices as well as the efforts of community leaders. 
Well, these are very practical examples that we've been showing in the slide you provide us. But what do you see as far as the expansion uh, for your work over the next 5, 10, 15 years? And we have to be very quick. Uh, governance program is going to spread to India by 2020. And we have NGOs, law schools, and other institutions uh, who are supporting us, and we are spreading the idea through them. Uh, the crucial uh, part in rural India is going to be the information divide. Uh, the information divide can be as we create the Emerald Planet. I need a job. Necesito trabajo. I would like to speak English better. Me gustaría hablar inglés mejor. I want to be a U.S. citizen. Quisiera ser ciudadano de los Estados Unidos. For over 35 years. Por más de 35 años. The Hispanic Committee of Virginia has been serving our community. El Comité Hispano de Virginia ha estado sirviendo a nuestra comunidad. Job training and placement. Capacitación, ayuda para conseguir trabajo. Education for children and adults. Educación para niños. Immigration, naturalization, and medical referrals. Ayuda para los procesos de inmigración y naturalización y orientación sobre médicos. Are a small part of what we do. Son solo una pequeña parte de lo que hacemos. For help, information, or to volunteer. Para ayuda, información o para ofrecerse como voluntario. Contact the Hispanic Committee of Virginia. Comuníquese con el Comité Hispano de Virginia. Helping everyone participate more fully in American society. Ayudando a todos a participar plenamente en la sociedad norteamericana. Would you notice if you were missing half your kidney function? According to the National Kidney Foundation, 20 million people have chronic kidney disease and 20 million more may be at risk and not even know it. Anyone with high blood pressure, diabetes, or family history of chronic kidney disease is at risk. Early diagnosis is vitally important. To get the whole story, talk to your doctor and visit the National Kidney Foundation at kidney.org or call for a free brochure. Because when it comes to chronic kidney disease, you might not know the half. to the Inside Scoop Emerald Planet. Here again, your host, Dr. Sam. Hello, welcome to the Emerald Planet as we come to you on a week-to-week -week basis as we look around the globe in 144 different nations looking for those thousand best practices, technologies, services, and products as we move through the 21st century. I'm Dr. Sam Hancock, the President and Executive Director of Emerald Planet and the Emerald Planet TV. And we're looking at the country of India, all the activity that's going on there as India goes uh, to a population base. Some are predicting maybe 1.4 billion people actually moving beyond the population of China. 
and at the same time is uh, expanding its economic and its environmental protection base at the same speed. And so it's just incredible the wonderful things, the, the dynamics of this great uh, country, very ancient history, and at the same time it has a marvelous future. And someone who is actually communicating this, uh, not only uh, within India itself, but also around the globe, this is Pooja O. Murata. She is the Director of Communications and Community Media with the Sagal Foundation, and sitting right beside me is uh, Hurt Van Brent. He is the Washington, D.C. representative for the Sagal Foundation. And uh, Pooja, welcome to the Emerald Planet TV. Thank you, Sam. Pleasure to be on the show today. Yeah, and thank you for all your help and assistance as far as these uh, marvelous uh, images, the photographs, and just all the information that you've been uh, providing. So thank you uh, publicly for that. Thank you. Pleasure is all mine. We're glad to have you here. Uh, looking at the NGO that you're with, the uh, Sagal Foundation, uh, you know, it focuses uh, very much on agricultural production, on infrastructure development, but yet you have what's called the school of the air, which is something that you're using very effectively uh, to reach out into the communities. Tell us a little bit about why Sagal Foundation would be uh, focused on such ed educational outreach at the same time to be working in these uh, different very solid infrastructure type of areas? Very pertinent question, Sam. Uh, yes, Segal Foundation is working with rural uh, communities, especially farmers, for very many years, over 15 year, years now. And our uh, focus has been uh, bringing the people together for various initiatives, uh, mobilizing them, and uh, uh, also, you know, uh, together uh, they come, uh, decide what uh, what is their need, and accordingly the interventions happen. And all this happened through uh, formation of groups. Uh, now, uh, the intervention area that we started with, which is Mebad, is a media dark area. And we were looking for uh, a medium that could help us go beyond that small group of people. To do that, we had uh, thought of having uh, a community radio that could give the multiplier effect to our uh, initiatives in the villages. So, uh, so having said that, uh, the same community needs were identified in the radio uh, programs and. Uh, this is uh, also providing a platform for people who are uh, who've never been hurt, or uh, you know uh, they belong to the area which which has uh, uh, which has very little penetration of the mainstream media. People are not literate, so there is as low as twenty percent, uh, you know, mass mainstream or mass media is uh, found in the play, uh, in the villages. So for a place like that, having a medium which is uh, uh, in the local language of the people, by the people, and uh, uh, talking the needs of the people in their own languages is, uh, is important and is also resulting uh, you know, uh, 
in um, multiplying the efforts that Segal Foundation has been doing in the future. Yeah, we're going to share this uh, video. This is something was done by Voice of America. Uh, and also, I believe it's a takeoff on Sesame Street, uh, India. So let's play this video. For a half hour each morning, students at this school in Maywat stop what they're doing and tune into the radio. Gully Gully Simpson, India's adaptation of the popular U.S.-based children's educational program, Sesame Street, is on. And 11-year-old Rekha is listening intently to the lesson of the day. I have learned the basics of math, multiplication, addition, subtraction, and division. With the help of 10 community radio stations, Gully Gully Simsim reaches 1.4 million people across north and central India, including students here at the small village school in Haryana state. A few kilometers away, radio program coordinator Saurabh Khan is taking calls from Gully Gully Simsim listeners. Kids name their favorite characters, while parents share how their kids eat healthier and practice better hygiene since listening to the program. The nonprofit Institute of Rural Research and Development launched the Alphaz A. Maywat community radio station just last year, and it's the first in the area to broadcast a children's program. Until now, the children of Miwat did not have access to the type of important information that Gully Gully Sim Sim is providing them. Here in Miwat, the children have very little access to television. If you go to the villages, you will not be able to find a TV in people's homes. Sesame Workshop India Managing Director Sashwati Banerjee came up with the idea of the radio phone project to reach out to children who have little access to technology. Families can use their radio or mobile phone to listen to programs promoting literacy and the importance of sending their children to school. The mission is critical in a country where the dropout rate rises to 15 percent at the fifth grade level because many parents say they need their children to work and supplement the family's income. Banerjee says entire communities are seeing social change after listening to Gully Gully Simpson. The girls never used to go to school because the girls' job was to um, herd the cows. Um, so after the program was aired, the community came together and they did some kind of a cow pooling. I mean, I call it cow pooling, but they did some kind of a cow pooling where they appointed somebody to really herd everybody's cows so that the girls can go to school. Ten-year-old Sahil has taken the lessons to heart. He says he rarely misses a day of school and makes sure his siblings follow suit. I have learned the importance of studying, to be nice to my brothers and sisters, to teach them and to encourage them to go to school. Sesame Workshop India says it hopes to expand the program to other areas of the country. Arupan Day, VOA News, Haryana. This is absolutely incredible, the outreach that you're doing, Pooja, and it's really interesting to hear about how you adapt to the conditions. Uh, not many uh, communities in the United States 
would have people that are going into cow pooling to make sure that the children are have the opportunity to listen but it just shows how adaptable the the Sagal Foundation is really uh, doing in order to be able to reach out into these communities so we want to commend you for doing that but what are some of the other programs that you're actually providing into the community uh, through your community radio station uh, so uh, the radio station actually uh, broadcasts for uh, for all the sections uh, of the community. Uh, there is a segment for farmers. Uh, for example, they get to know every day what is the uh, market rate of the crop going on, which saves them uh, with the multiple you know multiple uh, trips to the uh, wholesale market. Uh, similarly, there is a radio school program. There, is, there are programs uh, on women's healthy health and nutrition. Uh, there are programs uh, related to youth. So we, we try and touch each and every uh, segment of the uh, community. And uh, the important thing is that all these programs have their buying, have community, they're all community led. So uh, as you see uh, in the picture above, on the right, uh, there is uh, this lady called Razia. She started, uh, you know, uh, working with us at the launch of the radio station, and she was handling the uh, health and nutrition program for women. And she's a role. She actually became one of the role models for many women to came to come forward and join this initiative. So there are, uh, you know, uh, we are touching. Uh, everyone through, through the programs. Yeah, that's fantastic. I heard your question. Yeah, uh, why did the Segal Foundation uh, pick Maywat in Ariana to uh, establish that uh, excellent radio station? Yeah, good question, uh, Ahit. Uh, as you know, uh, Maywat uh, is, is backward in terms of, you know, you'll it's low on social indices as well as economic indices and uh, for reasons uh, uh, and it's also got less focus <coughs> from uh, government as well as other NGOs. Leave the slide. So these were the basic reasons for us to start working in Mevat. And uh, Segal Foundation also established their own community center there uh, which was providing platform for trainings and community connect in the villages. So uh, we had the space there. We had identified the needs of the area and also uh, we were working with the communities for last 15 years. What was lacking uh, there was uh, the media intervention or <clears throat> the uh, mainstream media penetration. Community was completely isolated uh, because of low literacy levels people uh, do not really read the newspapers that come to the area. They do not have access to television. Uh, and radio is the only medium that, of course, they are uh, mobile users. There are a uh, lot of mobile uh, phones with radio on it that is available. So uh, tapping the, uh, uh, you know, the conditions there 
uh, we thought that and uh, the reality that there is a large information divide that needed to be bridged. Pooja, we're running out of time. Uh, where do you see the expansion of the radio over the next 5, 10, 15 years? You've got to be quick. We've got about 10 seconds. Yeah, so uh, I think community taking the ownership of the radio station, the Segal Foundation, be able to hand it over to the uh, the radio station and also that 500,000 villages in India uh, get an opportunity like this to have their own radio station, their own community radio station. Uh, absolutely fantastic communications, community media, Sagal Foundation. Thank you for being with us as we create the Emerald Planet.